Welcome back to the Believing and Achieving podcast, where we discuss all things health, longevity, improvement, awareness, and creativity. I am your host, Kylie Comstock, a self-taught master of the mind and body. Each episode, we will have guests from different backgrounds, stories, and knowledge to help you unlock the power within and incinerate your goals. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode on the Believing and Achieving podcast. I'm so grateful to have each of you listening and here with us today. For today's episode, I'm super excited to welcome Ian Borman, a certified online fitness coach with a bachelor's in exercise physiology and 200 plus hour yoga certification. Ian is incredible, and I can't wait for all of you to learn from him today. Thank you. Yeah. First question to start us off. I ask everybody this on my podcast. Um, where did you grow up and how did that influence who you are today? Yeah, I grew up kind of all over the place. Uh, the first question everyone asks is if I'm a military brat. So I was born in Colorado. Oh no, born in Arizona, moved to Colorado, uh, lived there till I was eight and then moved to New York. Uh, stayed there for a couple of years, North Carolina, Texas, Utah, Idaho. So I've been kind of all over Uh, And I think the way that's affected me is just learning how to talk to people. I like to get to know people's stories. Um, I learned how to talk to strangers. It's kind of a problem now, like walk up to random people and just start talking to them. And anyone I'm with is just like, okay, and we need to go. So a little bit like a distracted puppy talking to people, but I've loved getting to have a lot of experiences and see a lot of different viewpoints, which makes it or keeps me really humble. And not thinking that I have all the right answers and always trying to learn more. I really like that answer. I feel like it is like a really good experience to be able to talk to lots of different people. And it's so good for you because it's like you're able to get all these different perspectives and you're able to kind of like have a more um, unbiased opinion because you have so many different like perspectives coming in. So that's really cool. Um. I guess I'm kind of wondering now why, like, why have you moved around so much? Yeah, uh, just my dad's job. So he was a technical engineer. It's a little bit of a volatile industry sometimes. And so we ended up following the jobs wherever they went. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I I know a lot of people who have like parents who will typically like have jobs that make them move a lot. And so my dad mm-hmm. was kind of like similar. Um he moved around a ton growing up. And so he told all of us, he's like, I want to stay put, like we are not going anywhere. <laughs> and so I've lived in the same house like my entire life. But um, anyway, yeah, that's really cool. You've probably been able to see a lot of different people and a lot of different personalities. But um, I definitely can attest to the fact that you're good at talking to strangers. I see you at the gym, <laughs> just like, you'll like walk in and there'll be people that are walking out and you're like making new connections while you're talking to people who you're already friends with. And there's just like, anyway it's awesome but um okay on to the next question for you is how did you find fitness uh it's actually kind of a funny story I was going into recreational management I was going to become a wilderness therapist was kind of the goal and that's why I went to um BYU Idaho Uh, it's a small school up in Idaho and that was kind of the direction my life was going and I went to a wilderness first aid class there was a cute girl in class I was like oh she's cute and so I started talking to her she said yeah I'm really into the gym you should come with me sometime and so I actually started going to the gym the gym the gym because I had a huge crush on this girl 
And then I fell in love with the gym and fell out of love with her. And it's just been a romance ever since. That is so funny. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of stories like that where like a guy will do something because a girl's doing it. Like they'll like, like go to chase a girl like pursue something to chase a girl but then they end up like the girl ends up goes like goes the other way and they like find the love there like I've heard so many stories like that so that's really funny <laughs> yeah. um so that's really cool I've never heard of that wilderness therapist did you say mm -hmm. yeah so wilderness therapist is someone who um with a lot of backcountry programs where they take kids out in minimalist environments where they have very little of the comforts of home and they'll go out there for several weeks and try to like pull them out of these environments where things are very toxic or may not be helpful or just old patterns keep repeating. Try to give them new environments where things are challenging so they have like very tactile and immediate responses to stressors, right? Versus mm -hmm. like, hey, I can conceptually think about this while I'm sitting here on my couch versus, oh, I'm really hungry or I'm really hot or all these different things. And so the wilderness therapists come out there and then do therapy with them while they're in that environment. That's really cool. That I yeah. mean, like changing your environment is huge. Like you can make such more, much better progress when you can like change your environment sometimes. Like that's, that's something I've even noticed recently with me is like, I honestly, like, I don't want to say this out loud because I, I don't want my mind to like grab onto this, <laughs> but like, I do not like studying. Like I try my best. I don't think I know a lot of people who don't because it's just like sometimes it's really, really focused and it's hard when there's so many distractions, you know? Yeah. And so the biggest thing for me as related to like environment is I've just like <clears throat> started going to the library like right after the gym every single day. And then mm -hmm. it, that's like completely changed it. Now, every time I go there, I actually look forward to it because it's like there's no distractions around me. And like because I'm in a different environment, I feel like way more comfortable, like just kind of grinding and getting into it. So yeah. it's yeah. inputs and outputs, right? It's like when you have a lot of inputs they're used to, we kind of react immediately. Mm -hmm. And so when we're reacting immediately to these things, even subconscious, it's very hard to then create new patterns and different behaviors, which is something that you will talk to people a lot about when like, they're trying to change body composition, health, anything like that environment plays a huge role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. It's kind of like the cues that you naturally get. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're changing is it's like, because a lot of times people get like a cue to like, you know, just stay in bed a little bit longer or yeah, um, yeah just like even maybe go grab an extra snack after maybe you've already had like a big meal. I don't know. People get cues like that because it's like habitual, like whatever they're used to already. So that's mm -hmm. very true. Um, okay. So on to the next question for you is, can you share your fitness journey with the audience? Yeah. Uh, so after I started going to the gym, I was the kid who didn't really know what they were doing. I just went and like picked stuff up and put it back down for, I think almost a year. I mean, I would max out on my deadlift weekly, trying to get stronger and thinking that was the way to go. Uh, it was not the healthiest, but wasn't worse, but just wasn't really getting me anywhere. So I had some friends who started talking about CrossFit and I was like, oh, cool. Like, people who know what they're doing, let's go do this. And so I started going and doing CrossFit at 4am. Um, and one of the big things that I talk about this a lot, whether you like CrossFit or not, I, the modality or the understanding of doing something for performance versus looks can be so healthy because at that time I was trying to be lean. I was trying to be like shredded and I was around like five or 6% body fat at that time. 
but I wasn't healthy. I wasn't happy. I was constantly having brain fog, um, had huge mood swings. I didn't really feel connected well with people. And so there was kind of this obsession of just not eating until I was really, really hungry. And then I grabbed like protein bars or snacks and just very disordered eating. And it wasn't a healthy relationship where it's always like, okay, I could be just a little bit leaner or a little bit more muscular. I mean, I was again, 5% body fat, which is pretty low. That's about the lowest that you'll want to go as a male. And granted that was given off of a biomedics machine. So there's some, you know, variability in that, but I still thought, okay, I still need to lose fat. I still need to get bigger. Like it's never enough. And so I transitioned into CrossFit and that was great for the mentality. Uh, so I did that for about a year, but again, that was a challenge because as I was doing that, I didn't really learn a ton of how to do techniques. I was just moving to move. And so I, you know, I was like, I'm tough. I'm not going to, you know, what's out on this. I'm just going to go hard and end up getting some injuries that were causing a lot of problems. I dropped like a 135 pound barbell on my knee while I was doing cleans and like, screw it. I'm just going to finish up the workout. And so there were some injuries and some pain that I just ignored and kept pushing through. Um, I mean, I got in really, really good shape. I was physically like cardiovascularly strength wise doing really, really well. So for that, I loved it. Um, during those morning workouts, I met some teachers there who would come in early in workouts or talking to them. And that's actually when I switched over to a degree in exercise physiology. Like, hey, come take this class. Ended up falling in love with it um, and just falling in love with the human body. Like, I genuinely love learning. I'm a total geek and nerd. I was actually reading about um, cardiovascular training last night just for fun. And so I started going more into that, um, focused on health trying to improve just general well-being. And then it's always been kind of a switch between general well-being and bodybuilding, and then occasionally trying to push performance a little bit more. For me, the gym right now and just working out is more about variety and staying active than it is about any end goal. Like I'll try bodybuilding, so I want to get a little bit leaner or then like, okay, I got bored with bodybuilding after two months. Now I'm going to try to go um, do some more performance-based things. I'm trying to run and swim and bike more because I want to work on my cardiovascular fitness. So I really focus on variety. I mean, that means I'm not getting really far with any of goals per se or pushing numbers. But for me, where I've gotten to is how do I stay in the gym? How do I stay active? Um, cause there was a portion there where I stopped working out for about six months because I just wasn't in a great place. Um, wasn't loving. It was tired all the time, felt exhausted, kept trying to push things and it just felt really drained. And at that point I stopped working out. And so for me, when I talk to clients about anything, it's really about how do we stay consistent? Consistency is king. If you can stay consistent, um, over time, especially if you have like a specific goal, then okay, we need to refine, we need to make sure our inputs are a little bit better. But if it's just general being, whatever keeps you in the gym, whatever keeps you eating as best you can, I think is going to be the most important factor. Yeah, that, I love your story. <clears throat> I think so many people can relate to like the fact that you went through a period of time where you were like, oh, I could always get leaner at like 6% body fat. It's like, no, actually you can't, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's hard because I think everybody is always curious of like what the limit is. And I think everybody is always trying to see like, okay, well, how far can I go before it's going to like kill me? You know what I mean? Um, They want to see, they want to see the results and they want to see themselves looking in the best possible shape. But it's also incredibly important to remember that like 
okay, maybe physically you look good, but how are you mentally really? Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's like the biggest thing. Cause like, I, I know we've talked about this before, but I definitely have gone through things like that as well, where it's like, I just kept thinking, oh, I could just get leaner. Oh, I could just get leaner. And I would do the same thing where I'd like push off eating and I would do all these other things to distract myself. And then once I was hungry, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I can totally relate to that. I know a lot of people can as well. Um, and I love how you were saying kind of just like, um, you focus with your clients on like, just how can we stay consistent? Like staying active is ultimately the best and most important thing. And if something is draining you and like you said, how you like took a break, I think that honestly, that is like so important in order to stay consistent because the gym's always going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. We can always go back to the gym. So it's like taking those breaks and allowing rest, I think is just as important as showing up and being consistent. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, loved it. Um, okay. On to the next question. So how has your fitness or health journey shaped your mindset? Yeah, uh, this is actually something I was going to refer to back to the other question, but I think it ties in really well. So the mindset when I first started out was trying to find acceptance. And I think that's where a lot of people, um, I talk a lot about value shifts because I think our values drive what we do. You can have two people doing the exact same thing. And if their values are in line, it's going to be really healthy or really unhealthy. So for me, like I was looking for acceptance and love. I was like, okay, if I'm just lean enough, right. All the girls are going to want me. I'm going to be like the coolest kid on campus. And I know, and it wasn't, I kept having this idea, like if I'm just leaner, right. It's like, if I just have this input, then this output would occur. So if this, you know, if this output isn't happening, I'm not getting all the attention I want. It's just because I'm not lean enough, especially in gym culture. Cause we base each other so much off of our physique, right. You get some like, Oh, they're really consistent. Hey, they have a really good body, right? It's just, it's what we do all day long. It's like, if you had a bunch of artists and everyone's painting and you saw their different paintings, like, okay, like he's a really good artist. They may be more of a beginner, right? Because it's all you can see is just the results. And so when I started out, my mentality is very much, how do I get acceptance? How do I feel included? That's why I started CrossFit. Like I like this feeling of inclusion, being part of something. And it drove me to work out really hard, which was a good thing. As I've gotten more mature and it's still a learning process, I'm never going to say like I've figured it out because I don't think anyone really has. I think we have better ideas and healthier ideas, but I think it's always on a spectrum. But as I've gone forward, it's like, okay, how do I, how do I find the balance and the dichotomies? Because there's this part of me that says, okay, I need to rest, but there's also this part of me that says I need to push. And I don't think that they're in opposition. I think that they're on a paradigm of what does rest really look like? Is rest just sitting on my butt? Because for me, it's not. When I rest like that, I just feel kind of trashy afterwards versus, hey, it may mean I need to go on a walk. I may just need to do some yoga. I may need to read. I may need to spend time around people that I really care about. There's a difference between not doing something and finding stillness and rest. And that was the cool part during this. I was also doing a lot of yoga, so a lot of meditation. And it's, you know, very different worlds of, you know, grind, go hard, lift as heavy as possible. And then this idea of yoga, which is rest, gentleness, and being kind to yourself. And those extremes, as they start to blend, it becomes this idea of when I am resting and when I am compassionate with myself, compassion is being honest too. It's saying, hey, I am being a little more 
where my actions are being lazy because I don't like the saying I am lazy because then it's saying you are laziness, which you're not, right? Or you are sadness or you are hurt or you are frustrated, you're angry. You are not, you are feeling those emotions and making that distinction between those two, I think is really valuable to say, okay, I am acting more lazy, right? And I'm doing the things I know are going to really help me a ton. And so learning how to understand thoughts, understand our inputs that we give ourselves, that the world gives us, and then making, how to like make decisions around that. Does that make sense of like how to make really good, thoughtful decisions that aren't just reactive, but are genuinely productive? Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved so many things you said. I don't know if you guys, I like, I always, um, have to mute my mic because I'm like constantly taking notes. Um, but I was just typing away as you were uh, speaking. And I love how you said, um, like in the beginning, you were just kind of trying to find like acceptance. I feel like, again, like that is so common in any industry. I think when you first start out in any, like anything you're doing in life, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's, I think everybody in the beginning is just trying to find acceptance and see where they fit in with this, Mm -hmm. um, pursuit that they're going after. And so I think we all start there. And then, um, I think it's funny too, because how you said like, oh, all girls will like me. Like if I, if I do this, then this will happen. Kind of like the, if, and then like you were talking about, um, I think that's also really common. Like people will go to the gym and like, they think that like, just if they change themselves that all these people will like them. But at the end of the day, it's like, people are going to love you for who you are before you even change. Like the fact that you want to change is 100% for you, you know? Um, And then there's some other things. Let's see. So you said, um, I like how you were saying too, like nobody really has it figured out when it comes to balancing things. Um, I think there's a distinguishing factor between, um, what kind of came to me was avoidance versus peace, because I think when you're, you can use rest as a means to avoid something else, to avoid doing something and you say, Oh no, I'm just taking care of myself. But like you said, if you're being compassionate and you're being intentionally and uh, honest with yourself, you'll understand like, okay, but yeah, maybe like my thoughts are kind of towards the lazy side of things right now, you know, maybe, I really am just avoiding doing something else. Cause for me, that sort of rest is actually just anxiety. Like it gives me stress because I'm actually thinking about what I should be doing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm sitting here, I'm allowing the rest, but then am I really resting if I'm just avoiding something else? You know? Whereas mm-hmm. I think with the yoga aspect of things, it's like, okay, like I'm actually like coming in tune with my body and I'm being intentional and like I feel peaceful. So I think like actually focusing on what you feel versus like um, just like not wanting to do something or like stressing out about a thought. I think like feeling it is actually going to help you more with mitigating when you should rest or when you shouldn't rest. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, <clears throat> let's Can see. I add one thing on real quick? Yeah, of course. I'm just kind of like going through the list of everything that I love you said. So <laughs> yeah. stop me whenever. Uh, I think something to understand, and this is, hard hard concept for me to kind of manage is that sometimes what makes us uncomfortable is what we really need right Mm -hmm. and so like for me when that stillness is like okay maybe I'm scrolling my phone right I'm resting but where I really am doing is saying I don't feel comfortable being still or taking actual time to rest and so I'm going to numb Mm -hmm. because when I'm still I'm having to deal with the feelings I don't want to so the same thing like productivity and working really hard 
can be a way of avoiding. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the basis is, are you avoiding or are you engaging? Because if you're engaging with your life, right, you can sit there and be like, okay, like I know those times when I've worked really hard or I've done a lot of things and I've sat there and said, I'm just still and I'm okay. I'm not racing around my brain. I'm not trying to think of all the things I have to do to make it be enough. It's just sitting with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the other day I was at the gym and I just felt kind of crummy. I was like, okay, I need to stop. It's like, well, let's take a second. Is this a stop or is this just, hey, you're feeling crummy. You're not feeling great. It's not going to kill you. Can you keep going, right? Can you just push a little bit farther? Like Our ability to sit in uncomfortable spaces makes us much more resilient. And I think a lot of us are either in the camp of grind till you drop or love yourself, peace. You know, if you're at peace, you should have no uncomfortable emotions versus, no, I can sit with uncomfortable, right? I can be comfortable being uncomfortable. I can be okay with having some anger. I can be okay with having some sadness. Like these are just emotions. And the more we label them as good or bad, the more we tend to avoid actually integrating them into ourselves. And the more we have to distance ourselves from ourselves and we can't actually function in the world. Mm, Yeah. I know that's a little hoo-ha and yee-haw, but. (laughs) No, it's not. No, I actually, I was going to just make a point, um, kind of what you were saying about, like sitting back and like thinking through things before you make like a huge action. Right. Mm-hmm. And like with your experience at the gym, I think it's important to consider kind of like um, when you said like avoiding, avoiding versus engaging. What I like to think about is um, like the pain versus pleasure pendulum pendulum, because I think mm-hmm. in order to fully sit still, you actually do have to have, you know, some hard work done and some focused work done. Cause I think that that's the hardest thing is, um, sometimes it's hard to recognize that like pain and like, you know, um, hard work is good for us because it can feel so like stressful. But I think like, that's something I've noticed in my own life is that when I don't get the hard work done in my day, I have a really hard time resting because I don't feel like I need it. And my brain is like literally telling me, Hey, I don't need this rest because I don't feel drained yet, you know? And we can all like convince ourselves like, Oh, you know, mentally I need a break or, Oh, I just need vacation. Like anybody can convince themselves that that's completely a mindset. And so I think it's really important to like, I just like to think of life as like 50, 50, or just think about the pain to pen pain to pleasure pendulum. Like, Am I leaning too far on one side or am I leaning too far on the other side, you know, and then just trying to balance that out, like mentally just thinking about like, okay, if I didn't work that hard today, maybe I could do a little extra work tonight. If not, then I'm going to work super hard tomorrow. You know what I mean? So just yeah. trying to balance that out. Um, yeah. I like how you said too, like our willingness to be able to sit in uncomfortable emotions, I think, um, or situations. I think that is one of the greatest like skills you can develop ever is just your willingness to sit in the uncomfortable emotion or situation. And I think a good way to do that sometimes too is, um, is to have like a, like a thought at the forefront of your mind. Like for me, I think about, um, like just do the hard thing. I feel like that's always there. And so if something is uncomfortable to me, I'm like, okay, I can do this because I'm going to be, I want to do the hard thing, but it's just because I'm thinking about it. If I wasn't thinking about that, I probably would take the easier option, but I think it's like fun to have like a mantra or a saying or something in the, in the forefront of your mind to just like kind of reflect on throughout the day to help you stay on track. 
Yeah, I think that's an excellent way of putting it. Yeah. Um. Okay. On to the next question. Okay. What have you done to make health a lifestyle? Hmm. Uh, I think understanding balance better. Uh, it's it's a big thing I talk about quite a bit. I'm sure it'll come up more and more as I talk, but balance not as in everything's inequality. So there are times in my life where it's like, hey, I need to spend more time on my nutrition or I need to spend more time with family. Um, I, I think understanding balance as this again dynamic aspect of it's not that I'm going to have two hours for exercise, two hours for family, two hours for work, two hours, right? That's not going to happen. There are days when it's okay, like, I'm going to spend 10 hours working today because it just there's stuff that needs to get done. And I may only work out for 30 or 40 minutes, but I give 100% of my time into each of those time segments. So working on being present with the people I'm with or the activity I'm doing, it's about being present and then learning like what works for me. So it's been what I've been doing this for almost seven years now. And something I've found that works really well for me is like, I just bake everything. Like if I can bake my vegetables, if I can bake my chickens, if I can like, I just bake a lot of stuff because it's something I don't have to worry about. I can throw it in. It tastes really good. I don't have to stress about it. Cause I used to spend like three hours a day cooking every single meal. And so now I've figured out how to like, okay, it's this kind of weird meal prep where I bake some like, I bake my chicken, I bake my vegetables, and then I have, you know, some rice or some pasta that I pre-make. So I have big tubs and then I just mix and match as much as I want. So I'm still getting variety, but I'm also like being able to not spend a ton of time on it. And so when I do this, it's like, okay, like, how does this work for me? Because when people come up to me and say, okay, how do I lose weight? Or how do I build muscle mass? Or how do I stay healthy? It's like, well, what does your life look like? There isn't a one right answer. It's again, how, what's going to help you stay consistent? And then what helps you to feel healthy? So for me, it's like, hey, I was not feeling like I was doing enough cardio, right? I just wasn't doing a ton. I went for a run. I was like, oh, I'm 10 pounds heavier than it used to be. I feel kind of like a trudging troll. And so I started to run a little more. And it was very incremental. Um, I think one of the healthiest aspects of lifestyles is understanding it's going to be very minute changes, which no one likes. Everyone wants the big switch. I was just talking to a client last night. And they're like, well, I want to, I just need to want it more. And as we discussed, it, it's like, hey, wanting it more is just like, you want this one mindset shift that is going to turn on the light switch and then everything's going to be different and you're just going to be motivated and you're going to be able to do everything you've ever wanted to do, which is really just wanting to avoid the difficult work of saying, what are the small steps that I have to do for the next three months, right? People underestimate what they can do in 10 years and overestimate what they can do in three months. So I think Alex Ramosi, I listen to a lot of his stuff. I think he's super cool. He says, extend your time horizons. So rather than saying, okay, I need to get super fit right now and have everything figured out. It's like, okay, let's take this one aspect that I really struggle with. Like, so for me, my current one is sleep. I have my sleep hygiene is not great. It's something that hasn't always been good. I'm like, yeah, my sleep doesn't really matter. I'm young. I'll just, you know, work really hard and don't care. And so I've tried to start figuring out, like, okay, how am I going to sleep better? And how do I manage that? in a way that I feel good. Because if I sleep too much, if I sleep too late, I don't feel great. Honestly, ideally, it's like I'm one of those people, if I can get up between 4.30 and 6.30, that's when I do my best. Um, so learning how to manage my sleep hygiene a lot better, spending a lot more time outside. Um, again, very stereotypical ice baths, but it's a lot more about emotional than anything else. Like it's just a way for me to kind of get calm and get very clear about things. Because when you're that cold and you're hyperventilating, 
you don't really worry about a whole ton else. Like everything just kind of shrinks into this very tiny universe. You're like, okay, I just need to breathe. And I think that's really healthy is having something that's challenging enough in your life that it shrinks your horizon of thought to a very singular point. Because a lot of what kills us as humans is we stress about everything and we worry about the future and all the things that are outside of our control. And we very rarely concern ourselves with what's actually in our control and say, okay, like all I can do is focus on breathing right now and not hyperventilating. And that offloads a lot of the uncertainty and the fear and the anxiety that a lot of us carry around that's not necessary. So many good points in there. And I, I think it's like, I've never done an ice bath. I honestly like want to, because I've had, I want to say I've had like five or six different guests on my podcast who have talked about it just because it is like, it does take you back to like the moment. And then it literally puts everything in perspective. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so freezing. Like I can't even mm. breathe. Like, and, yeah. and I'm worried about something that's, you know, it's just, yeah, like you said, I think it really does just bring your focus in. And so I need to try those out. Like I actually, I might need to do that. I might need to like make a little commitment here that I'm going to do an ice bath. I'll follow up with you. Okay. Yeah. I think <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, What was I going to say too? Okay. So I love how you said the first thing was like understanding what balance is. So <clears throat> something I talked about in my last podcast I did actually, but I listened to one. It's funny. Like you were saying, you listen to Alex. I listened to like a ton of podcasts too. And so I always reference them in my own podcast. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was listening to one from Matthew McConaughey and Ed Milet. Okay. And what he talked about, which I think this is such a good way to like really understand balance is look at like every area of your life, like an investment. So he's like, whether that's relationships, whether that's, yeah, like for us, maybe it's like nutrition or like for fitness, like whatever it is, like how much are you putting in? How much are you investing in those areas? Um, mm -hmm. And whenever something is kind of in the red, like you haven't been putting your investments in, you know, take it back to green, add some, add some more investments in that area. And it's not always like you said, like about the gym 24 seven, like the gym is there and it's always going to be there, but sometimes other areas of our lives need more attention and more investment, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also too, I love how you said like everyone wants the big changes, like in three months or whatever the time frame is and kind of like expanding, you said, extend your time horizons, which I think is like, so cool. I like that saying and you said you got that from alex right yeah 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 that's awesome yeah i think that's that's really hard because like you said it's like we're always focused on the little things that like we wish we could be doing now but it's like they underestimate people underestimate what they can do in a larger time frame like yeah. when you have more time you're gonna do a better job you know what i mean mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's really important especially probably for the clients that you work with i'm sure too just that like understanding that like results take time and patience and um the more patient you can be the better results i think you can get in the long term yeah and be process based i mean that's so huge is mm -hmm. if you're looking for the reward that's why people quit it's like why well, didn't see results in you know the first 30 days but if you can say okay how do i fall in love with this process then we do it whether i see results or not that's when things really start to change for people mm, yeah and i also think too like finding an actual form of exercise you love because it's like I think most times people are like oh just lift weights lift weights lift weights which is like yes like lifting weights is amazing but also mm -hmm. like if you absolutely hate it like find something else that's going to keep you active kind of like what you are doing right now with your fitness is it's like 
you're just trying to stay active and healthy because at the end of the day, it's health and it's a journey. It's not a quick fix, like you said. Um, Okay, so that goes perfect into the next question. What has been the biggest obstacle you have faced on your fitness journey? Um, I would say honestly, injuries, like they have been, that's a lot of another big reason why I got into exercise fizz, um, was kind of selfish. It's like, you know, I wanted to figure out why the heck things weren't working. Cause so I got injured a lot. I hurt my knee. Uh, I've dropped a 200 pound barbell on my chest. I've broken my heel. Like I've just messed my body up quite a bit. And I've been to multiple PTs. Like I've had a knee issue for almost two and a half years now. Um, and I went to like three different PTs and they're like, we'll try this and try this and try this. And it's like, I'm trying things and they weren't working. And so I wanted to figure out, okay, like, how do I actually fix myself? So I would say the biggest barrier is that imperfectionism, um, recovering perfectionist. And so I, that whole thing about like, start with the small things I struggle with because I'm like, if I can't do it all perfectly the first time and get everything right, I have no business doing it. And it's again, I want it's this idea that I have to have these outside results of if I do this, then I'm going to get this, right? So if I am, you know, fit enough, then I'm going to get love and affection. Or if I make enough money, I'll finally feel okay. And all these things that they can't actually give us. Um, it's like, I had a client and we were talking and it's like, if you are looking to fill the emotional vacuum in your soul with food, you will always be hungry, right? You're always going to be hungry because no matter how much you eat, that won't you can't fill that, right? You can't eat food and fill your soul. Like some food can, like if it's your mama's cooking and it feels good, like, yeah. But at a certain point, right? Like there's things that just, we, we take in these inputs and they don't give us the outputs or like fill us the way that we need. And so for me, it was really figuring out like, okay, like what do I actually want? And figuring what you want when you have spent your life trying to always be what you feel like you should be. Like I read research papers and I would read philosophy books and it's like, okay, this is who I should be because this seems like the most right thing versus, well, what do I like? Do I like vanilla or do I like chocolate? There isn't a right answer. It's just, what's your preference? If you ask me what's the most optimal way for to do a leg extension, I could tell you, right? Because I know that's the right way I've done research on that. But if you ask me, which one do you prefer? It's like, I don't know. Like, how do you have a preference? And so I think chronic perfectionism really steals the ability to have purpose and choice. It's always about how do I look to the outside and inside gets kind of hollow. And so that's something I have personally been trying to figure out, especially in the last probably six months is what fills me up? Who am I? What, are, what do I like? Not what do I think is right? What is my voice? Um, how do I want to talk to people? How do I want to interact with people? Who do I want around me? Um, because I think all of that is about health, right? Like, why are you doing this? Why do you want to be this lean, right? What do you think that's going to give you? Or why do you feel like you need to run like this? Like, that's a question I ask clients a lot. Like, well, what, why do we need to do that? Right? Like I need a meal prep. It's like, okay, why? Well, because I'm supposed to, it's like, are you right? You're talking about, you know, you can work out a ton of different ways. I need to lift weights. Okay. Well, if we're talking about like bone density mass and a couple other things, yeah, sure. It's a very optimal way, but like lots of other ways people are fit from ballet to, you know, running to mountain climbing to cycling. Like if you want to see someone with big legs, go look at track cyclists. Those guys have the biggest legs on the planet, right? So it's just really figuring out how to start small, understand who you are and really break down these masks that I think 
come from perfectionism, which is still something that I'm probably going to be working on for another 20 years. Yeah, exactly. I think, did you see my mouth fall? I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I am 100% with you on the recovering from perfectionism. I actually, like, the reason, so I read a book from Brene Brown. Do you know Brene Brown? Yes, I'm, I love her. If, you, if you've struggled with perfectionism, you know who she is. Um, yeah. But she wrote a book called The Gifts of Imperfection, and it, like, completely, have you read that? I read it like three times the first time I found it. Mine is literally, I would always read on the treadmill and I would always have to like open the pages super hard. And so I literally like ripped it because I read it so many times, <laughs> but it is so, so good. And she just, yeah, like talks about how um, it's kind of like an ongoing thing. Like you'll never completely recover from perfectionism because it's like you are always going to have a new task that you're trying to pursue and you're going to have that drive in you to be like, okay, you got to do it right. You got to do it right. And I, I'm with you on like how it feels like you have to do it right the first time. I think that comes from too like fear of screwing up or fear of what other people are going to think of you. Even with like for me in my life right now too, it's like with personal training, I'm like, I haven't, I, I know a lot about it and I've, I've like done all the work I need to, but like seeing the trainers at the gym, I, I want to be an online coach, kind of like what you're doing, but doing on floor is what I'm challenging myself to do just to get some experience. Yeah. And like, I'm kind of terrified. I'm like, okay, like I've talked about it. I've thought about it, but like, I want to do it correct and perfect the first time, the first time I have a client, but that's just not realistic. Right. Like there, no. everyone's going to have different per preferences and like, there's things I'm going to have to learn about the client. And I'm also going to need to learn when it comes to in person. Yeah. So yeah, I love, I love those thoughts. I think it was really cool how you said that like if you were looking to fill the emotional vacuum in your soul, you will still be hungry. I think that is something that like some people might really need to hear because a lot of people like think go through life at like wondering kind of like what's next or like why are they here? What's their purpose? All those different things. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from that exact line of like they're trying to fill their emotional vacuum vacuum from things that aren't ever going to fill it, fill it. Like it, you're always going to be hungry if you're always thinking about like what's next or what more should I have or should be doing? Like, it's just never mm -hmm. enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, another thing, last thing, um, but that I like that you said was how you said chronic perfectionism, like takes away purpose and choice. Like, I think that's something that I've realized with even just like creating content, like, um, yeah wanting to be perfect with it and then I end up like completely taking away the message and like taking away the whole purpose of the post because I'm like trying to make it so perfect and I'm spending hours and hours when it should have been done you know hours before so yeah. I really like that um okay on to I have so many but I'm kind of like getting short on time here um <laughs> we'll go to this one what are some popular fitness trends that you dislike fitness trends i mean asking that question two years ago when i would have had a plethora um or a lot whatever however you want to say that i i think hating on other people's workouts um i was just listening to a podcast by ben carpenter today phenomenal guy he wants some stuff information absolutely 100 recommend him 
but he was talking about how like everyone's a little different, right? Like someone's going to hate keto for someone keto changed their life. Right. I'm never going to go to climb back. Well, keto stupid because of this, this, and this, I think there are aspects that could be more concerning, right? It's like, Hey, like you're not eating nearly enough. And there, you know, there's something for people who want diet crazes or different things, but uh, I really think that the biggest pet peeve is just instead of tearing people down, say, how can I help? Or like, what's going on in your life right now? Because a man convinced against his mind is still the same opinion. And so learning how to treat people well and not make fun of people and realize that everyone's trying and there are going to be jerks who just think they're better than everyone else. And keto is the one true way to salvation or CrossFit is, you know, the only way to lift. And if you're not doing CrossFit, you're an idiot. And that's fine. Like that's their opinion, right? You get to choose how you respond to that. But um, the biggest challenge I found, maybe this is actually a peeve, is the two extremes, right? Like be lean to the point where it's unhealthy or, hey, if you say anything about losing weight, you're fat phobic, which is really like, this is where I struggle the most is like, messaging is how do you help talk to people about saying like hey if you have this much fat tissue there are some correlations to some comorbidities and some you know metabolic disease and a lot of things that doesn't mean you're less valuable human being you have value no matter what you are a great person there's so much to you this is just an aspect that you might want to work on and i think both extremes have this body fixation right and they both kind of yell at each other of like hey like you know you're too lean and you're obsessed with your body but if you derive yourself and say i can't change this because this is just how i am right these i am statements of i am fat i am lean like what does that mean like is your soul lean is your fat lean like how does this work it's you are identifying who you are as a person with your body and if you don't do that and say you know what this is changeable it's this fixed versus growth mindset it's like you know what this may not be helpful. I may need to lose 20 or 30 pounds. So I feel better. I feel more comfortable in my body. I can do more things. I would just feel better if I lost this much weight. And it's not this, I will be valuable or I'll be lovable or I'll be enough once I get to these spots. So understanding like, don't fall for these extremes. The, both of them are really unhealthy. And I think that they have to have some really deep mindset changes and some identity shifts, which is hard to do, takes time. Yeah, exactly. I think anything that goes to one extreme or another is always, it's always not the answer because it's never, (laughs) you can't live in extremes. When you live in extremes, it means that that's the absolute, which life is never, never absolute. There's always another way. So yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think like, there is a balance because some people say like, like we've talked about here a little bit with like resting, like sometimes it's almost like to the extreme of like never going to the gym, which it's like, okay, like if, you know, if that works for you, great. But also like exercise is incredible for your mind, for your body. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. I think that would be probably my biggest pet peeve as well is just like, yeah, like trying to find where you can like say things nicely without like you know, making it an offensive like comment or trying to tear someone down. Cause that's typically never the intention of a coach. Like a coach is always there to like try to help you and has your best, um, intentions in mind. So Mm -hmm. yeah, 
Um, and I also like how you said too, like the I am statements, like the identification with it is the problem. It's not actually that you are that. It's just that you're identifying with it and you're kind of getting like a license to be that way, but yeah. you could change if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of factors that go along with it. Like, you know, some people are just genetically, they're going to be leaner. Some people are genetically, they're going to have a predisposition environmentally, genetically towards obesity. And so it's understanding that there's environmental factors and then there's also choice factors. It's I'm going to have a, like you have a predisp predisposition towards this. So it may not be your fault that you are overweight, mm -hmm. right? And you may never be able to get as lean as you want, mm -hmm. but it is your responsibility to be trying to be doing those things. So if you're exercising, you're trying to manage your you know calories and your food as best as you possibly can, like that is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then whatever comes of that, you don't have as much control all the time, depending on body composition, environment, mentality, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like just keeping a mindset of like, what can I control? Mm -hmm. What can I control? What can I do? Cause it's like, you're always going to have things that are pulling your, just pulling your, um, your focus. And there's also going to be things that are also just predispositions that are already there. Like some people, like you said, are just going to be you know, more overweight, but it doesn't mean that they can't still be healthy and they mm -hmm. can't still like make the choice to try. So yeah, that's, that's also a hard truth. I think to face for some people as well, to not yeah. have to like, to not have something to blame or to be in that victim mentality. Yeah. Um, okay. So, oh, I have so many uh, questions. Yeah. So many. Okay. So we'll just go right here. If there was one piece of advice you could give to someone who was looking to start eating healthier, what would you say? Okay. So now I get the tough questions. Um, hmm. There's one piece of advice. Okay. Being honest. And I think, again, this goes back to perfectionism. I was talking to a client last night and the discussion was, okay, like, where are you at? He's like, well, I'm eating out a lot because I'm moving all the time and I have a job that's really intense i'm doing sales so i'm not home a lot and like, but i need to meal prep I'm like okay what's the chances you're actually going to meal prep like well maybe if i just try more I'm like but let's be honest like what are the chances you're actually going to meal prep he's like mm, probably not I'm like okay cool like if you aren't already doing it right if you've been thinking about it and you think i should be doing this and you haven't done it already the chances are that you're just going to have this magical burst of energy it is so slim and if you have a coach and they're the ones pushing all the time once the coach stops you're going to stop so what we said is, okay, like, what are you currently working with? Well, I eat out a lot. Okay. Well, what if we start introducing better ways of eating out, right? Like it's not ideal. It's not going to be ideal. It is not going to be perfect. And I think this is where you are learning the skill and not the practice yet. So you need to get good at learning how to manage your eating, right? Um, I can't remember who said this. I saw it on a video. It said like, you know, your nutritional literacy, right? Your food literacy, however you want to call it. You need to learn how to be able to utilize that. And so people think if I just start eating better, eating out, like that's a horrible thing. It's like, no, this is a baby step, right? I am taking you, I'm expecting this to take six, eight, nine months, a year. Now, if you want to go on a crash diet and have me yelling at you and texting you every day, we can do that too. Right. But like, I promise you, you're going to do this yo-yo. Cause I've had so many clients I'm like, yeah, I've lost 60 pounds and gained 60 pounds. I've lost 150 pounds. I've gained it all back. Like what that shows me is you don't have the skill and you're relying on willpower. Once the willpower burns out or things change or you get too stressful or you don't have the skills, then you're going to be right back where you started. 
I, I really think that there needs to be a change because 80% of people who lose weight regain it, right? It's up in that range. And so it's saying something's going wrong, right? There are some hormonal and biological factors that you can get into, but clearly something's not going right. And I think it's because people aren't learning the skills. They're just pushing, 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 and they're constantly on this up and down diet train. So looking at and going, and again, this is why having a coach is super nice. Someone can say, if you do this, this is the eventual outcome versus you wondering like, okay, like maybe if I try this and then I try this and I try this and they just don't know where to start. It's getting really honest and saying, what am I really going to do? And again, that comes back to the recovering from chronic perfectionism is, well, I know I should be doing this and I should be eating my five vegetables, you know, with my salmon that I just bought and caught off, you know, the Cape Cod and I'm doing all right. Like, no, we're not doing that. We're probably going to be like, okay, um, if we go to Panda Express, there are some meals that are like 500 calories. There's some that are 180 with a lot more vegetables. Let's start there because you can still lose weight. Right? It's a calories in, calories out. Again, there's a lot of factors around that, like what drives us eating and emotions and you know physiological factors. But in the day, it's calories in, calories out. So if we can manage that better and we can get honest with ourselves, what we're actually going to do, we're going to succeed more. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I love how you said like you can still eat out and meet your goals because, like for me and my parents, like my mom and my mom works full time. And my dad works from home, but like a lot of times like we'll go out and I think it's just a matter of like understanding like nutrition, like you said, and kind of having like that literacy and that knowledge behind whether it's like you've tracked for a while and you understand portion sizes or like, you know, kind of how to balance a plate, like whether you're adding like, you know, some fiber, some carbs, like whatever, whatever it is that you've learned, like being able to go off of that. And so I like how you said, like kind of taking like eight or nine months or however long it takes you just to like really build that up so that you are able to more comfortably make choices that will still align with your goals when eating out. Yeah. And I like to like thinking of eating out as like not an all or nothing. Like you don't have to get seven appetizers before your real meal. You know what I mean? Like you can just, you can have your thing, have your meal. And like, you don't have to go all out every time you eat out. Cause I think that's like, again, like all or nothing, the yo-yo, the up or down pendulum that people like have a really hard time getting off. So it's better just to keep it consistent and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, I like also, I said, like, what am I really going to do? Because I think that's also an important thought. Like, yes, you may able, be able to restrict, 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 rely on willpower for so long but eventually you're going to go back to exactly what you're doing before. So it's important you make that sustainable, whatever that was. Um, okay. So if you, let's see, let's, let's end out with a couple of personal, cause I did mostly just fitness here. Um, okay. So what are some of your current goals? Uh, current goals. Uh, honestly, the biggest one is just, mm, let me think about that for a second. The biggest goal is right now to build the business mm -hmm. um, and to get better at goals because I don't really set goals. I kind of just focus on behaviors and habits and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, but I think getting my life more in line with who I want to be. Mm -hmm. Let me phrase that. That would be my goal is getting my life more in line with who I want to be. There's a quote that I really like that says, you're not tired because you're doing too much. You're tired because you're not doing enough of what brings you life. Mm. Right. And it doesn't mean that you have to be on fire and passion all the time. I think that's kind of a, a trap that a lot of people fall into. But I think 
finding meaning is about creating it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I, my goal right now is to create meaning in my life. And that means that we have to invest, like it's, you know, you, more effort you put into something, the more meaning it has. Mm-hmm. I don't think meaning is a gold brick that's going to hit us on the head. And that's the fallacy I've spent a lot of time messing up my life with it is like, where's the meaning? How do I find this? It's like, no, like you're going to create meaning, you find things that interest you. And then you work your butt off and you create meaning around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy how, um, like contribution really makes meaning when you contribute to something, when you give something, give a lot to it. It's crazy mm-hmm. how that like becomes important to you because I feel like a lot of times where we are expecting like a brick on our head in life, like to have something come at us and be like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like have this kind of like aha moment, but it's like, that's never going to be the case. Like you have, of course you have like your intuition to kind of guide you on what you want to do, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that you're going to have like meaning in those places unless there's effort there. So Yeah. yeah, I really like that. Well, we're kind of um, really hitting the time block here. So um, kind of to end off on our last question here is, let's see, what has been the greatest knowledge that has helped you or your clients the most on your fitness journey? Fail fast, fail forward, screw up a lot. Like just take action. That's the biggest lesson I've learned is just start. Mm-hmm. Don't keep sitting here thinking about it and analyzing it until you're blue in the face. Take action, take it consistently. Be smart enough to keep your head above water and kind of pivot as need be. Don't just dig a trench to China, but take action. And then as you see things working or not working, getting closer or farther away from your goals, pivot as necessary. Yes, love it. Always learning, always process driven. That's kind of what that what comes to me after hearing that. But um, well, thank you for being on today, Ian, and thank yeah. you all for joining us today for episode 21 on the Believing and Achieving podcast. And I'm so, so grateful you guys are all here. Hope you were taking notes because I know I definitely was. And um, I hope you guys all took away some great points and knowledge today. Um, thank you so much and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks.